the first week of uh, our marriage, I completely forgot I was a married man. Um, so, honestly, because it's 20, you know, 28 years of singleness, you know, freedom, liberty, celebration, I, you know, still be going on, you know, still freedom, liberty there. So, <clears throat> one day you got married. Um, so, um, it's the monsoon season we got married. Thankfully, that, that didn't rain. Um, so, in India, it's, it's a very different, and now it's, things change. So if you, in order to recharge your mobile phone, you need to go to the local shop to get a scratch card and you add that number into your mobile. That's the way you add credit into your mobile. So I have a wonderful friend. We did our uh, uh, GCSE and uh, A-level together. So he, he, he runs a business there. So usually go there and chat and spend time. You know? So you don't have much responsibility at that time. You go and chat for uh, hours and hours. And uh, so, so Catherine, I went to the registry office, and uh, then I thought, rather than bring her back and forth, I thought, okay, Catherine, you just wait there. I'll quickly go to my friend's shop and get a recharge card. I'll be back in two seconds. You know, the Indian two seconds can be two seconds, you know, so we call it Indian stretchable time. So um, I went there, and there. So then the conversation started. How is your wife and everything? And so, so conversations are, I, one minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes. I'm as a single, you know, so at the time it started raining, pouring rain. And Catherine is in a place she'd never been before. <laughs> and uh, suddenly he asked a question, by the way, where is your wife? Oh, she's just there, you know. So I ran back. Then I saw my poor wife standing the same place I asked her to stand with a plastic sheet on the top of her and waiting for me, you know. So it's like, oh, no, I'm a married man now, you know. So, so I asked her, well, you could have found a shop somewhere, you know. So if I move from here, you would have been missed me, you know. So from that day, I never forgot I'm a married man. Just to keep you awake, you know. So um, one, it's nothing to do with the... Today's prison. <laughs> uh, spoiled it. Okay. Oh, oh, there must be something, you know. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 onwards. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you, you, you together are the temple. Verse 18, do not deceive yourself. If any of, you, any of you think you are wise, by the standard of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or the life or the death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask your presence to come. Uh, we, we sang again and again, uh, your spirit is in the midst of us. You are at work without your presence, without your revelation and knowledge, God. Um, we can't live a holy life, and we can't please you, God. We can't sing. Lord Jesus, we are dead in our trespasses, and we are in our, in, in our sinful nature. But, Lord Jesus, we ask your grace to come and open our eyes to see who we are in Christ and what you have done for us and the way we can praise your holy name, God. So speak to us and help us to understand your word so that we can live a holy life for your name. In Jesus' name, amen. For kids following this preaching, you can draw pictures, you know. So because uh, I'll be using some of the pictures, uh, you know, unfortunately, I was using some Doblo, some Legos, and so this morning, I was planning to come by car, then I changed my mind. One of my friends was coming to, with me, so I came by bus. I left everything in the car, you know, so there is a moment. At least I got the preaching note, so, um, so I will give you some examples, so you might be able to do some creativity to understand the scripture. Okay, so this, the scripture starting with, the, don't you know that yourself, you yourself are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? That's a question nearly 10 times asked again and again and again and again. What does that mean? It is a truth. You know it. You are the temple of God. So this, one of the things we need to understand, this is talking about not an individual. That's coming in uh, chapter 6. This is talking about the corporate church as a body together, we are the temple of God. Sometimes we can misunderstand the scripture without understanding the context. Uh, we are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us. This is not about talking about individuals. Yes, church is the, uh, the individuals coming together, but it's talking about the church. So always that keep in, in mind. When Paul was talking to the people, don't you know that? It can go in different directions. So we will come to that uh, uh, in a 3D gospel uh, uh, a terminology later. So, the temple terminology can be so confusing for an Indian because we are the land of temples. For me, when I'm reading temple, means idols full of ugly, tongue-lifted, scary things. But for the Jewish people, it's completely different. So there are two Greek words used in this one, temple. One is the Greek temple, but in this one, it's talking about exactly sanctuary, a place God's presence dwells, a place of God's glory, a place God meet with people and people meet with God. So don't be confused with the terminology temple. I would like to use the word more into sanctuary or God's presence. That's the temple. So, and don't you know that you are God's temple? So, this is the, the temple terminology or the sanctuary terminology is reveals God's heart. What is that? His presence to be with us. Even in New Testament, we can see that God become, you know, says the word became flesh and a tabernacle among us, you know. He lived among us. That's a beautiful way. God wants to live among us and to be having the fellowship. That is the desire of God. So God desired to be with us, and He wants to have that fellowship with us 
all the time, not just sometimes. So what did he do? So I'm going to zoom back. It's going to be a bigger picture. Then we'll zoom in, you know, just to see what, what is that uh, actually God wants to speak to us today. Let's go to the beginning. Garden of Eden. It's amazing creativity there. You know, God, God put everything, all the things created in an orderly fashion. You know, so, so like he, he, he put everything in a first day, second day, third day, four, uh, four day, five day. So there is an order there. At the end, uh, we, God is meeting with people, with his presence, having the fellowship and everything. So that was a place God intended to meet with people and fellowship. They talked, they walked, they have you know, just like they enjoyed God's presence. There's total security, total significance, total acceptance. God in the midst of them. God is with them. What a wonderful place. In our scripture, we are talking about destruction of temple. You know, it's not a nice, you know, it's not an easy chapter to go through. It's easy words to go through, but I need to go through. You know, so so be, please bear with me. So here it says like, if anyone destroys, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. It's not talking about the whole church will be destroyed. There are many historical evidence, you know, just your church has been destroyed uh, or the sanctuary or the presence of God was taken away. How he withdrew his presence kind of things. But in a corporate level, God is doing something, but individually, someone trying to interfere the work of God, or not, or standing against God's heart. It is dangerous, so we will come to that. But in Garden of Eden, everything was perfect, but it is leaning towards a destructive nature. Because the choice made by Adam and Eve, they decided to disobey God. They thought, we, don't, we are not just satisfied with this total security, total acceptance, total, totally, fully, you know, just guided by God. No, no, we want to have our own way. So they tried to disobey. They disobeyed God. What happened? There is a type of destruction you can see. God didn't destroy all the the Garden of Eden, but you can understand there's a fellowship was destroyed. The communion was destroyed that affected the whole thing. And the consequences were reflected through centuries. That was not the end of the story. Then God brought Abraham, an idol worshiper, living in temple to a place or sacrifice, God is meeting with him in a place, Abraham and Isaac, in different places, God is meeting with him at the time of sacrifice, and God is talking to them. There is, you can see some glimpse of God's presence still continuing and meeting people. I'm just skim, uh, you know, fast forward kind of things, you know, so that's why I'm not going through all, this, all the scriptures, otherwise we will finish the meeting by six o'clock. No, hallelujah, I know that. The tabernacle... And the Ark of the Covenant, that is coming again. So, here, Garden of Eden. Then, God wants to be among the people. What does He do? He's doing, He's, he's bringing something, tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, with a very perspective, a very precise measurements, 
instruction from God. And there is a most holy place. And there is a place of sacrifice. And there is a day of atonement. All this together for the glory of God. Can we say that together for the glory of God? That is the key for Garden of Eden. What is the center? God in the midst of them. The Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle, what makes it special? The presence of God. That is the center. It's not how high, how low, how wonderful. No, no, no. So all things are for His glory to manifest. But what happened? People didn't stick with the God's plan. They tried to do things in their own way. And there was a time the enemies of Israel were looking to catch the Ark of the Covenant. They know that that is the place the glory of God dwells. That is their security. That is their protection. That is their heartbeat. If we can catch that one, the whole nations will be destroyed. So enemies always targeted the Ark of the Covenant. They managed to do that many times by thinking, we captured their God. But actually, in God's sovereignty, God allowed that to happen, to communicate to the people, the moment you miss my presence, it's gone. It's not about the Ark of the Covenant or the, the little box of the kind of things. You know, God was communicating to people, my presence, my fellowship, my security in the midst of you is everything. You may not understand it sometime, but the enemy knows it. So he targeting and they managed to do that one. But God, must, uh, God, uh, God brought it back. We know the story, David in Sam, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6 and 7. You can go and read when you have time. They managed to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. And at last we can see the temple at the time of Solomon was built. Instructed by God. Measurement by God. Information from God. According to the standard of God. What does that all mean? The only approach to God for sinful human beings in the presence of God only through His covenant, through the means He has provided. You can't set the standard. You can only approach God according to His standard in order that, so in order to make it possible, He made a way for us. So, all these things are repeatedly talking to us again and again. The sacrifice that God Himself has commanded, in terms that God Himself lay out, the priest God appointed, the place God designed. What is it saying? There is no other way you can come to me without the way I have provided for you. God wants to communicate that. So temple is there. 
and they are in the midst of, midst of them. But in Ezekiel chapter 8 to 11, the tragic story. So when I was reading that one, I was thinking, goodness me, living in that time, so horrible. There was a word saying, the glory of God departed the temple. Because people brought jealousy, idol worship, their trade, their own system. They thought, oh, no, 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 that's, that's too inconvenient, you know, so let's bring it that one. The priest messed up, families messed up. What happened? Glory of God departed the temple. It's just a building now. In the midst of that, when they were in the Kebar River, you know, so all these people in exile, and when they were so sad, and they were singing their song, and they were so disappointed, they lost everything through the prophet Ezra. That is in, in, in Ezekiel, you know, chapter, chapter 11, verse 16. God spoke to them again in a temple sanctuary language. I will be a sanctuary to them. It's no more a temple. It's no more a building. No more a just a cubicle thing. God Himself revealing to them, I will be a sanctuary to them. That is something spectacular, amazing revelation to these people. Before they thought, the building, the temple, the place, this one, this one, this one, this one. Now God is revealing. But you were too much focused on the building. You completely missed my presence. But now I want to reveal you something greater than that. I will be a sanctuary to them. Wherever you are, I want to be in the midst of you. Ezra and Nehemiah, they rebuilt the temple. Let's fast forward. And we were coming to the New Testament now. When Jesus was ministering, when he was living and doing miracles and wonders, and proclaiming the kingdom of God, there was a temple in Jerusalem. It's huge. They were so proud about that. It's like we are so proud about our fish and chips. They thought, this is it. We got it. This is everything. But one day, in John chapter 2, verse 13, when it was almost the time of Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts and he found out people selling cattle, sheep, doves, others sitting in, in a table and exchanging money. So he made a whip of the cord and dr drove all of the temple courts, both sheep and the cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the table. Get this out here. Stop turning my house, my father's house, to a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, 
zeal of your house will consume me. Why did Jesus respond that way? His purpose, the reason he gave the temple to people so that people can meet God. Not only Jewish people, there are places, different places there. The outcast, the poor, and the vulnerable, the foreigners, and the aliens, they can also come and worship God. But the Jewish people kept their place very, very safe and clean. They started a marketplace. The outcasts and the vulnerable and the poor and the foreigners supposed to come and meet and taste and know the goodness of God, but they used that place as a place of business. When that's supposed to be a place for the nations to pray to the living God. What was their response? Rather than saying, oh, really sorry, Jesus. Oh, we, we messed up. Excuse me, can we start clearing it? Can we make some space for that? Oh, by the way, oh, we completely forgot about that. Thank you for revealing that amazing revelation. Oh, let's make it as the place for the nation. No, no, no. They said, what is the, what did they ask? The Jews respond to him in verse 18, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? By the way, you, you, you did some performance. You randomly came and turned everything upside down. Who gave you the authority? What was Jesus' response? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. That is absolutely, what do you say? I don't know in English, what, what kind of word, you know? So is it like a, a sh shocking response to them? Okay, show me the sign. Okay, destroy this temple and I will build it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Poor chap, don't know the history. You're going to raise in three days? But the temple he has spoken of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Two temples. The physical temple. Here Jesus is talking about the temple of God. What is happening in the physical temple is going to destroy this temple. So this destruction is going to happen in AD. I think it's AD 42, AD 40. When did that happen? The destruction of the temple. AD 70. I was just checking, you know. No, thank you. I completely forgot it, you know. So AD 70, literally, the whole temple was crumbled down. But Jesus was talking about this temple and this temple. Those two temples are there. One is the physical temple. Now Jesus was talking about his body, but what actually happened in the physical temple is going to destroy this temple sometime soon.
And this was happening at the time of the Passover. Luke 16, verse 13. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew chapter 23, 25. What to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean outside of the cup and play, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You put up a fine display of religious helpfulness in the temple bazaar. But you are driven by the love of money, not the love of God. What is salvation? What is following Jesus? Simple. You're turning your heart from money to Jesus. Simple. Your trust from money to Jesus. Your security from money. I'm not talking about pound or cash kind of things, you know. Trusting in something your treasure, you're moving from that position to Jesus and not turning back by knowing that that is the place I can get total security, acceptance, and significance, not turning back. But people loved money, loved other security, Jesus was so harsh to religious leaders. But how did Jesus respond to a woman at the well? <laughs> I remember, I think, uh, you know, so when, when you're seriously asking some question to your children, and when they know that they are supposed to answer that question, have you come across they change the subject? Suddenly they change the subject? No, oh, oh, who is supposed to clean that one? So my children sometimes... How was your day, Daddy, today? You had a good working day. My point is, somebody has to suppose that clean that mess, you know. So they said, oh, Daddy, how, you had a fantastic day today? Yes, thank you, but still you need to clean that one. <laughs> this was the same situation for this woman, you know. So the, she, Jesus was talking about his, uh, her life and uh, this husband and everything. Suddenly, by the way, Jesus... Let's talk about worship. Okay. In his mercy. Okay, if you want to talk about worship, let's talk about worship then. We go to that place. You guys go to that place. And uh, so we all know that when Messiah comes, you know, lots of things are there. But Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will worship you, the, worship the Father, the hour is coming and is now here. Where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In other words, the, the authenticity of worship is not attached to Jerusalem or any other place. It will be in spirit and in truth. That is Jesus. 
is no more a place, it is a person. And where is he now? He's not there. He's not there. He's just in front of you. So that means the temple has come to you. He tabernacled among us. Jesus came to this world to display, display the infinite worth of his Father and to release us from the security of anything other than God so that we can have fellowship with God corporately. In John 10, chapter 17 to 18, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one take it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up. He lays down for our sins. He take it up for our freedom. When they destroyed Jesus' temple, Jesus' body, he rose again as victorious so that we can be a living temple together in Christ. What does that mean? It's no more a building now. Jesus becomes the crucial temple. The real, the ultimate meeting place between God and sinful people saw that all things in the Old Testament, all the trajectories pointing towards Jesus. In the New Testament, His flesh, the veil, the shattered, the broken body, and the broken temple. Ultimately, He rose from the dead on the third day, become the real meeting place where, between God and sinful people. That's happened in his body. That brings three bigger themes. Jesus himself is the ultimate temple. The church of Jesus Christ is the temple. Our bodies are the temple of God. Three things. Jesus is the ultimate temple. The church corporately as the temple of God. And our bodies are the is the temple of God. We will be looking at the second one. In order to have the second one, we need to understand the ultimate temple, Jesus. Without that, there's no second or third. So what does that corporately mean? That's the place as a church. Church is the meeting place between God and sinners. Here's the place God speaks speak through His temple to the people and to the nation. This is the place the vulnerable and the poor and the weak and the, everyone come together and celebrate, not in a building, in the midst of the people together as a family 
redeemed by His precious blood. So the temple was destroyed. So the priesthood was destroyed. Now, Jesus became the high priest. The sacrifice is gone. That been destroyed. Jesus is the only one ultimate sacrifice now. Glory of God won't be dwelling in a cube or place anymore. That is in Jesus. The presence and the glory of God is revealed. That is happening in Jesus. So that means it is no longer a place the presence of God in a person that is Jesus. What is the good news for us then? God brought us together into this amazing plan. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, 22. So then, you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. Hallelujah. Because of the ultimate temple, we have good news now. Because there is an invitation for us to be part of that. We live because He is alive. We are reigning because He is reigning. We are walking because He is walking. We are at work because He is at work. We have the freedom to forgive because He forgave our sins. There is no discrimination in us because He never showed that discrimination because we are built together into the living body. Now the nations can see His amazing work through the church. Hallelujah. It's all happened because of the destruction of the temple. Now, there is a new temple, new sacrifice, new high priest, and we are not just spectators. We are participants into that divine nature because of Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, 5, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human by, chosen by God and, uh, God and precious to him, you are you also like living stone. Shall we say that together? Living stone. And being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Oh, we thought it's gone. But Jesus is the high priest. Now he's appointing us as priests, to serve in the temple so that people can meet God and they can understand a God of forgiveness, God of grace, God of compassion, God of justice. How do, how do, how do they know that? Through the living 
body of Christ. Offering our spiritual sacrifice, acceptance to God through Jesus Christ. And Paul prays in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, Christ is, the church is the manifold wisdom of God. I'll read that again. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Church is the manifold wisdom of God. If someone wants to understand God and His church, that's us, corporately, together. That is the only way they can understand the manifold wisdom of God. So that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians. I'm praying for the church to open their eyes to see who they are. And he said at the end in, in chapter 20, uh, verse 23, in which his body, the fullness of God, him who fills everything in every way. This is the church of God. This is the church of God. When he was risen from the dead, People said, Peter said, no, 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 don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. Jesus said, it's better, better go to my father. No, please stay. Do some miracles and wonders. Have a really amazing time. Jesus said, no, no, it's better to go. So that who can come? Holy Spirit can come. The God in spirit can come. And to fill you with His Spirit, He can live in your heart individually and work among you corporately so that God can do amazing manifestation of His grace and His mercy through the church. So that happened at the day of the Pentecost. What happened? Holy Spirit came and filled God in third person, in the God in third person, Holy Spirit came and fall upon them. Fill them with the Spirit, and they become transforming the world upside down. They change their life. Here's the reminder in 16, verse 16. Don't you know that you are yourself are God's temple, and God's Spirit dwells in your midst. God's Spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy you, that, that, that person. God's temple is sacred. Shall we say that together? God's temple is sacred, and you, you together are the temple. God's temple is serious about His business. He is serious. He died on the cross seriously. He came down seriously. He broke His body seriously. He shed his blood seriously. He did everything seriously. Now he's building his temple seriously. Because he's God. He's holy. Whenever people stood outside of God's plan, it was not the good news. So, it is sacred. There are some warnings. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, you know, you know that story. What happened to them? It's not scary stories, you know, it's quite encouraging stories because God is at work, you know. Sometimes when we go to Acts 5, not again. No. 
God is doing something in the church. And they dealt with the situation in their flesh. Peter said to them, I'm not reading all the portion. How could you do this to the Holy Spirit? How could you do it to the Holy Spirit? You know, He is at work among us. And he is building his church. His all things are yours. But how could you do to the Holy Spirit? This is God's temple. You're completely misunderstanding. It's not about Peter. This is not about Apollos. It is not about, uh, or, uh, uh, about someone else. They, no, this is my presence, my glory. I am building this temple. But God dealt with that in a very harsh way. For us, in a Western society, that is not fair. That is not fair. If you're building something, kids, if you're building something with a Lego box or something, you are, you brought that things together, and you are, you, you are putting your heart and mind to that one. And if somebody's coming and kicking it and destroying it, what will you do? He said, please, if you want to be part of this one, don't be a destroying personality, but join in the adventure of building together according to the plan. You might be a friend. You might be my neighbor. I know you for seven and a half years. But if I'm building something, and if you are there to deliberately to cause division, sorry, I don't want you to be part of it. God will do the same thing when He's building His church and He's coming back and He's preparing us for the great feast and the wedding. And people do things to destroy unity or adding extra to get significance, adding extra to get acceptance. So they're, all they're doing, Jesus plus fame, Jesus plus money, Jesus plus acceptance, Jesus plus look at me. No. In the church of God, He is the temple. He is everything. But God say, sorry. I don't even say he say sorry. I'm just trying to be British now, you know. No. My temple is sacred. It happened again and again and again. Whether we disagree or agree, that is his temple. That is his presence. That is his glory. That is his covenant. That is his blood. That is his glory. He is the one coming back for his temple. Acts 8. What, what was the result, you know? So there was a great fear seized in, that's in Acts 5. See the whole church and who heard uh, all these uh, events. But in Acts 14, you know, so in, in Acts 5 verse 14, it's interesting. We thought everyone disappeared now. The church is shrinking and nobody's joining. No, no, the story is completely different. 
Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and they were added into their in numbers. Hallelujah. People thought, oh, we should be very careful how we handle the situation in the church context. Shh, political correctness, terminologies. We should please everyone. No. When God is doing something, He will do according to His standard. There is no compromise in that one because He is God. He's sacred. My prayer today to communicate that with the integrity and fear. God, I want to follow you joyfully and truthfully by the help of the Holy Spirit. Through that, through that, I can be part of your amazing plan of demonstrating your manifold wisdom to the whole nations. Acts chapter 8, there was a guy called uh, Simon. When Peter was there, uh, uh, Peter and John, they were doing amazing wonders and uh, miracles, and the people, when they laid their hands, they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This guy said, when, when Simon saw the Spirit was given to laying hands on, uh, uh, of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability that everyone of whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit coming again and again and again here, you know. Shall we have a deal, please? Oh, Peter was. May your money perish with you. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part to share in this ministry because your heart is not right with God. Because you completely misunderstood the work of God. Holy Spirit is, is, is the gift of God. He himself coming. It's not something you can buy, you can trade, you can negotiate. Holiness is something you can negotiate. Unity, you can't, something can, you can negotiate. No, no, no. This is God's temple. And we are there to serve the living God. It's not a destructive place. This is the absolutely constructive place. But if you add anything outside God's plan, boy, you cannot be part of this one. But he prayed. We don't know what, what happened to him later. Galatians chapter 5. That's the last one. I'm an, Galatians chapter, I'm an astonishing that you are so quickly desiring the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to prevent the gospel of Christ. <laughs> Ultimately, what Jesus did on the cross. But even if we are, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. This is warning. Jesus plus, no, warning. Jesus plus, no, warning. Because 
This is his temple. It's holy. Because we saw that, Garden of Eden. In, in, in the old temple, destruction. People messed up, destruction. People messed up, destruction. It, it, God knows that. God was keep reminding, keep my commands. Stay in my commands. I'm loving and gracious, but people decide to do this cycle again and again. The other one can be favoritism. James chapter 2, 1 to 7. I'm going there. If anyone comes to your place, you have favoritism on the basis of caste or color or class. Jesus, the veil was torn. The division was broken between Jew and Gentile. He paid his price. He gave his blood for that. God won't tolerate that one. Now, everyone is built together in Christ. Neither Jew, neither gender, nor male or female. Everyone is together because the ultimate price was paid by Jesus, the temple. The good news is, whew, the work of the Holy Spirit among us. He is the living spirit. If you say, oh, I'm in this category, I'm living in this category. No, no. You say, oh, God, I forgive, I ask forgiveness. I don't want to be, you know, just like a, a, in that category. But if you take next step without God's help, without the help of the Holy Spirit, you will fall into the same temptation within microsecond. That is the place we need. Holy Spirit, you cannot live a life without His presence. If God spoke to you, time to repent. At the same time, if you want to continue a life full of the Spirit, asking His Spirit to come and to fill our hearts. Let's stand and pray.